Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Good evening everybody, welcome to this latest episode of the Stargate Archives. This episode is being recorded November the 3rd, so if you hear any fireworks, that's because somebody can't wait till the weekend when we've actually got a decent night for the kids to go out on bonfire night. <laughs> You're probably not sure if you can pick it up, but someone is letting off a load of rockets somewhere in the vicinity. Sounding clear to me. Yes, a voice from the wilderness. Ian is joining me tonight. How are you, mate? I'm excellent, thanks, mate. How are you? Not bad at all. And you wanted to do this episode. I did. I remember this episode. It stood out to me for various reasons. <laughs> it's not considered one of the better season one episodes by anybody, even the producers and writers themselves. Yeah, I remembered it being way better and I watched it and I was like, oh, this is this is some really cheesy sci-fi and excuse to put someone in a uh, in a skimpy costume. Very much so. Yeah, but she's a good baddie. So there's that. There is that. Right, we are going to be discussing Hathor, directed by Brad Turner, from a story by David Bennett Carrion and J. Larry Connell. Teleplay by Jonathan Glasner. Unusual to see Jonathan getting his hands dirty after he co-created the show. <laughs> it is only season one. You're right, yeah. This episode aired October the 24th, 1997, and kicks off with... What looks like a ziggurat rather than a traditional pyramid. I just got to say, I was nine years old when this episode came out. <laughs> I remember it clear as day. Well, I can't believe I was nine. Yeah, where has the time gone? I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so definitely in South America at some location, the step pyramids of South and Central America. Well, a very dark screen, pure blackness. Setting yourself up for the kind of the revelation as the light breaks through, as you hear the people panning on the rocks. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Porches and this is some good classic Stargate. Good old archaeology. Done the traditional way with a mallet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These people break through into a chamber and we see what seems to be a very familiar object. Yeah, a sarcophagus, they say. And so they know what a sarcophagus looks like. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things. The design is going to be very different to what they would be expecting. Apart from the fact that it's kind of a rectangular block, probably some sort of metallic finish with hieroglyphs carved on it. Of course, that's a bit of a mystery, because why are Egyptian hieroglyphs on a sarcophagus in a, a Mayan pyramid? A bit of a puzzle. Yeah, if only they could remember where they where they might have picked up on that before. Yes, I, I love, love the little reference. Oh, I read a book once about this. Uh, Daniel, Daniel something. Daniel Jackson, yeah. He, <laughs> he said there was contact. <laughs> contact. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. Nice little touch that was. There seems to be a very large, shiny red stone at the top of the sarcophagus, of course. Of course, it presses it, and you start hearing metallic whirring, and it starts slowly to open in a very jerky fashion. Not exactly... This is where you see where the money the money was spent in the movies compared to the money spent on the TV show. <laughs> it is a bit jerky. It looks like curtain doors being opened very slowly. <laughs> Stage yeah. curtain. And then some... Excellent nail varnish has survived for 4,000 years even. I was going to say, yeah, fair enough. Sarcophagus can keep somebody alive, but it's good to know that they also maintain the, the viability of the cotton threads in their outfits and 
the pigment and the varnish and makeup and all that. Yeah. She makes the rather the, the Michael Myers way of uh, sitting up, right from the waist. <laughs> <laughs> Maximum impact. As is tradition. And basically, just she kind of just looks at him, you know, where is raw? They don't provide a satisfactory answer. The hand device comes up. Pew-pew-pew. <laughs> they didn't last <laughs> long. No, I like the, uh, you're on a gold. And then we go to the gate room. Yeah. And somehow the sarcophagus has made its way there. I don't understand that at all. The government would not let that out of the borders of their country. No way. Yeah. Even with the US president ringing, you know, can we borrow it for a bit? No, you can't. Yeah, they seem to gloss over a lot of the details about how it got out of there, why it was found, where the archaeologists were that got zapped by Hathor. Some of the, you know, kind of base camp, you know, support personnel actually, when they discovered the dead bodies, for some reason contacted Daniel. They remembered him as well. (laughs) (laughs) Daniel obviously made an impact. He must have done. And then we get some airmen come in and tell them there's been an intruder. Hathor has also miraculously made her way to the SGC. In a trench coat. Yes. Presumably on bus or something. You're thinking, well, why are they telling Hammond there are multiple multiple commands within Cheyenne Mountain? Of course, and he says, yeah. oh, she knows about the Stargate. Uh, okay, yeah, alarm bell's going off now. <laughs> she could be just a journalist playing a hunch, you know, knock on the door, say, I know it's here, see what happens. Which they've had before. Well, not before, they've had after. <laughs> right, we jump to the credits, and when we return, we're back in the SEC, section K5. You can't miss it, kind of plastered on the door. Finest of all sections. Yeah. Uh, you have a little walk and talk to a secure room where there's a guard outside. He unlocks the door. They walk in. Hathor turns. This is where she's wearing the trench coat. Again, interesting look for her. I'm assuming that an airman gave her the trench coat to cover her up when they found her. Well, that's the implication that, you know, she's walked from Mexico to Colorado. Of course, we know, we learn that she has ways of influencing people. So... It's not out of the question she could get to Colorado. That is a very good point. Probably some poor Mexican bloke who's been missing for a week. <laughs> Went out to work one morning in his in his truck and never came back. Wakes up to find he's used a lot of gas. Yeah, this is not his story. <laughs> He'll get back home then and find his, his wife's divorced him. Thought, she thought he ran off with somebody. <laughs> yeah, she says, we are Athor. Which is an interesting way. It's not something we're used to growl talking like that. You know, it's... It's almost as if the host and the symbiote are working together. Yeah, that's a good point. That's very sort of Pukro, isn't it? This is what we see in hindsight, obviously, having seen the, the series before. But I wonder if... I can't remember what I thought first time around, but it certainly presents a different take on the gold, which, without any interference from Hathor, might have allowed Stargate Command to treat her differently. Yeah. I mean, we never really get that chance, because... Daniel's fawning away pretty much right from the start. <laughs> well, that's classic Daniel for you. Yeah. He's got an opportunity here. This this is gold. He can't let this woman out of his grasp. He gets <laughs> Jack on his side by basically pointing out that, uh, you know, she's uh, into fertility and uh, pleasure and everything, music and oh, <laughs> sex, drugs and rock and roll. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I like that line. I thought that was pretty clever. I'm watching the whole scene there with my mouth open thinking, guys, she's a gold. You know, there is a symbiote inside of her. There is no question about this. They're treating her as if she's just a normal woman with a bit of information. Yeah, I don't think this this kind of scene would have played out in a later episode, like in a later series. They really uh, refined a lot of the things. This kind of storyline probably wouldn't work in a in a newer series, would it? 
No, definitely not. People aren't that stupid. Even military people aren't that stupid. No. This is where, of course, she's got a kink about kissing people's hands. Could be an explanation, <laughs> but you know, Daniel's up for it. Obviously, he stands at such a way that that the general and Jack can't actually see what's going on. Uh, Hathor bends, and we see a close-up of her lips near his hand, and a purple mist kind of absorbing into his skin. That's been mentioned. That could be the source of the Nishtar that Seth the Gold uses to control people in a later episode. Oh, that's a good callback. The one with his cult. Yeah. Either way, Daniel is kind of on Hathor's side at this point. General, no, he's, he's really not having anything of it, and we get the phenomenal line, you with the crown of marble. <laughs> yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> Jack just, uh, I think she means you, sir. <laughs> brilliant, absolutely fantastic writing and delivery. I must kiss your hand as well to show respect. Uh, oh, go on then, go on. <laughs> oh, then she's got the general under her power now. This is all yeah. too easy. It really is. Fair number of flaws in this episode. It has its perks, this episode, but yeah. <laughs> it was a bit of a difficult watch for me. I remembered it being better than this, and it was really, really cheesy. <laughs> well, they, they throw us another, another little spin. She's demanding to know what happened to Raw. Obviously, they don't really want to come out and admit what's happening, but now two of them are on their side. Uh, well, yeah, Raw's dead. Wonderful. You know, oh, she was no fan of Raw. Raw kind of a... Did the dirty on her, so, oh, an ally, a go-old ally. Could this be a turning point? Uh, no, lads, <laughs> it won't be. <laughs> yeah, we get the flashy-flashy of the gold eyes. Yeah. At which point Daniel does seem to recoil a little bit and then remembers he's under her influence. Yeah, the, the biggest non-surprise of the episode, really. Even with, yeah. even with that opening shot of her coming out of the sarcophagus and using a hand device... Everybody that's seen this show would be screaming at the TV, she's a gold. What is wrong with you people? I mean, they go to all this trouble protecting the Stargate, and they never even considered that they could come through the back door. No. This episode is very much like something you'd see from the original series of Star Trek. Yes. It's a really basic premise, and it mostly revolves around being able to put people in conspicuous situations. We jump to the briefing room. Jack is still sceptical. That'll be his military training. Yep. But at this point, Sam is, well, Sam isn't happy at all, basically. <laughs> this is a very, I'd say this is women in the military having to deal with male officers who know best, even without being influenced of a mind control drug. Yeah. Yeah, that was the one saving grace of this episode. Sam's got some good lines about what it's like to have to put up with that. Yes, a bit later we get some very telling remarks. Yeah. But at this point, the general is totally convinced that Hathor is a guest of Stargate Command and she should come down to the briefing room, have a, have a nice chat, have a discussion. Cue Hathor down the spiral staircase, all we're missing is some, you know, Miss World music and pageantry. An airman come up with a, a bunch of roses or something. Yeah, she must have been waiting in the wings to come down as well. Yes, it was pretty much on cue. It's not as if they were waiting five minutes for her to come from a... A locked yeah, go, waiting room. Go fetch her from her cell. No, 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 no. She's just upstairs waiting. <laughs> we learn that she's been in prison for 2,000 years. 4,000 years. Is it 4,000 years? Because it's 2,000 BC, isn't it? Ah, right. Got you. Oh, of course, yeah. I think. Well, yeah, 2000, 1994. Yeah. That, that's a long time to be stuck in a box. <laughs> it really is. It's, it's very good that the sarcophagus has such good power cells. Yeah, and her hand device. I've always wondered about the hand device. Does that use the bioelectrical energy of the body? Or has it got its own built-in power cell? It's a good question. Double A's, probably. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is where Hathor begins to tell a story. She was sent to Earth by Ra to do humanity no good, but she was really a friend of humanity. Oh, this is after, of course, Jax <laughs> had to fetch her a glass of water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we get, <laughs> yeah, give me your hand. This is my special place. And she puts it on her breast, of course. Well, just above her heart, but on the slope. <laughs> Jack, on the slope. Very much so. Yes. Jack, Jack's a little awkward, but oh no, she's got him. She's got him. Yeah, she puts it there, then moves her hand away and just leaves it hanging. <laughs> well, it's just impolite to take it away, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Sam is getting very agitated, very perplexed about the actions of these officers that she knows reasonably well at this point. It's pretty much that there are no chicks allowed in this organisation at the moment. This is a boys' club all sitting around waiting for Hathor to speak her desires. Even the point where she calls for Jack to, you know, don't you agree with me and don't you support me? Yes, I support you if I, if I think something's gone wrong. Yeah, there's a lot of smug look from Hathor to Sam in this. Oh, yes. Very bitchy. Yeah. I've dealt with people like you before and I'm still around. Teok's got his classic season one dour face where he looks like he's grimacing the whole time. Well, you imagine that Till must be going through hell. There is no way he would trust any gold. And while he hasn't no, had true. personal contact with Hathor or any of the queens, he knows what the gold are. There is no doubt in his mind. There is no such thing as a good gold. At this point, we don't really know too much about the Tokra. They come into the story much later. Of course, you could argue that the Tokra aren't really that good either. They're just a, no. a flip side of the gold. And even then, Teal doesn't like those. No, that is doesn't true. trust them at first a lot. At this point, Hathor seems to at least have three of the main members of the Southgate Command in her back pocket. She gets escorted to the guest room, which is probably the best guest room we have ever seen in Cheyenne Mountain. Yeah, I think so. I I did notice the ancient laptop sitting on one of the desks and a really old TV. And I was like, wow, this reminds me of the olden days. <laughs> but it is very luxurious. It is. It's, it's definitely one of the VIP guest rooms that very few other people ever get to use. Yeah. And we also see that it seems that this drug, what she's putting into each of the men's systems, seems to be accumulative. Daniel is under more control, he's absorbed more of it. Jack and the general, not quite so much. It takes a little extra push to get them to do something as if they know they shouldn't be doing. Daniel is pretty much a little lapdog at this point because when she says, you know, you two may go, Daniel, stay behind. He's, yeah, of course. Hey. Yeah, well, we see that in later episodes. Daniel's uh, a wonderful, wonderful human being, but his state of mind is easily influenced. <laughs> yes, he's he's a chosen one. That's pretty good for the ego. Yeah. I'm in the gate room and the sarcophagus, and Hathor is talking to the Stargate. Hello, my old friend. Oh, yeah. Probably more going on when Sam and Jack were talking on level 25, but I didn't have many notes for it, so I figured nah, it could have been that much interesting. Yeah, I think Sam mentions that she's a bit worried about the way they're treating Hathor, that she seems to be getting everything she wants and no one seems to be concerned about the fact that she's walking around the base. Sam's really not going to get very far, even with Jack at this point. No. We get Hathor again. A lot of the use of the word we. Stargate Wiki actually believes it's, you know, like Earth royalty uses that form of address, talking about the crown as opposed to the individual. At this point, it still means the host and the go old. Obviously, we know it doesn't, but... I always got that impression, even from this rewatch. She's gratified to see the Stargate again. Calls it an old friend, servant, if you will. 
I don't think Hathor is all there herself. Maybe <laughs> maybe being away for four thousand years does that sort of thing. Well, plus years and years of sex, drugs, and rock and roll for that. Yes, it can't be really that good for you. It's going to take its toll. <laughs> and we know that the sarcophagus, multiple use, just exacerbates character traits that are already there. Yep. She reveals that she is the queen, a queen of the gold. The children of the gods are produced by the queens. She is one of the... We never really learn how many queens of the gold there are. My guess is that there probably aren't that many. No, I would imagine not. We learn that the Tokra had their queen, Egeria. Mm-hmm. That's why their philosophy is significantly different. Most of the gold we meet are of a single mind. I can't believe Hathor is the mother to every other gold out there. There must be a couple, two or three at least. Of yeah. course, we learn where the lava, the you know, the gold symbiotes originally came from. So if they were in that one big body of water, maybe there was only one queen or two queens. <laughs> Who knows? We can speculate to our heart's content on that one. Yeah. Plus, she was the wife of Ra, so one of the earlier... I'm not letting you out at my side, even if I have to marry you. <laughs> We see a new set, a small corridor into some sort of office. It's obviously a medical complex of some sort, maybe a room just off the infirmary. Is this Janet's own office? Maybe. Either way, Sam is busy doing internet research. On the net. Not as, not as well as Daniel could. <laughs> she's doing quite well, though. You know, she's searching up Hathor, learned that most human civilizations throughout the eons have had some sort of fertility goddess that could be linked to this character. Also, rumours that she had some sort of ability to control the masses. She was, in some legends, a destroyer of humanity. Either way, none of it is really good and best will in the world. You really don't want somebody like this influencing people that have got access to nuclear weaponry. No. As a web developer, can I just point out how absolutely wonderful it was to see Netscape Navigator (laughs) running on what looked like Windows 98, but it must have been earlier. In fact, it is. It's Windows three one, and uh, that probably sounds about right. I can remember using Navigator. Yeah, it is. It's Windows three point one, I think, because the icons are all wrong for ninety eight or ninety five. <laughs> and the address bar says file, and then it's got C drive, HTTP, www. They've created folders for each of the things that would be a dot. <laughs> it was excellent. I had a good giggle about that. Yeah, it's not pretty, but it works. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's only on the screen for a little bit, so it'll skip most people's eyes. Some of the hardest work goes into the smallest details that most people never see. And I don't imagine back in 97 they thought, oh, people might be pausing this on that computer screen. We should be thankful for the dedication of people that work behind the scenes. Yeah. I mean, they get a lot more credit these days. You know, shows like Discovery and The Orville, the people who do a lot of the, the screen work, the graphics are getting praise because people are looking for Easter eggs, but looking for the, the small details high def screens they can look into all the little little corner of the that control panel and see oh look an id code which is the right id code for this era i know it's brilliant <laughs> when they when they do that you know that the the people that put that together are getting so much pleasure out of them out of the fact that just a handful of people are going to spot that yeah at this point though sam is getting hardcore hathor's got to be neutralized yeah i know that was extreme <laughs> I don't think she means drugged, incapacitated. I think I think she means she wants a dead. <laughs> she might as well have said, Hathor needs to be taken care of. Yes. <laughs> when you need somebody like the NID, where are they? Yeah. 
That's a good point. They'd have been very helpful right now. Yeah, they'd have no problem. We'll take her off your hands. Don't worry about that. Yeah. This is where it gets a bit yucky, because we're back in the room with Hathor and Daniel, and she's talking about the code of life. The, ju- <laughs> the juices. And you go, yeah, she Whoa. says juices. Whoa, that, who wrote that? Oh, Seriously. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, only thing worse, it says, we need the male juice, and the fi- and no, don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> oh, I know. That was a very cringy scene. Yeah, and she, she's going, oh, but the, the method of procreation is so much fun in these hosts. <laughs> That's what I mean about this being oh, like a no. 60s episode of Star Trek or something. <laughs> it's, it's like, no, come on. <laughs> I'm sure you can do better than this, Stargate. I know yeah, you can is, do better than this. This is very much sort of male fantasy episode, isn't it? It is. It's, it's eight, the aliens from Mars, not coming down to steal our women, but to come down and steal the virile men, including a few military guys, a few scientists, for their brains, obviously. Yes. Uh, we will repopulate the planet. The one private who's normally just the, you know, the cook and bottle washer, he's up, he's up for it. His year's going to be a lot better than anybody else's. <laughs> just oh, imagine okay. it. Daniel's going to be the template for a whole new world of gold. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. <laughs> Daniel's code of life is going to be uh, very important. Yeah. They make a bit of the smoochy smoochy. And then we cut away to Sam, who's gone hardcore very much now and is wearing full camouflage gear and handing out the biggest guns I've ever seen. I think that was when they were carrying the M16s or something, is it? Yes, it was. Yeah. I think we really miss some really hardcore military music at this point. Yes, there's some brilliant music. Do you know what? The soundtrack was one of the things that hit me, and I was like, wow, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily, they seem to have small armories everywhere. This is the gate room. I'm trying to figure out which room it was, and all of a sudden I thought, hang on a minute. Well, the control room. This is the control room, isn't it? It is the control room. Yeah. So it's funny how a room looks different when it's not in shadows. <laughs> and you think, hang on a minute, there's, on that back wall, there's a whole cupboard of M16. Yeah, you've seen that cupboard a lot in episodes. You never know what's in it. <laughs> now you know it. Yes, she's arming all the female soldiers, including uh, Janet. The men have gone all loopy. Tilt uses a very inopportune time to make his appearance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily for him, the women aren't so trigger-happy as some of the airmen we've seen over this first year. <laughs> no, they have their wits about them. He comes very close to being riddled with bullets. But Tilk is protected by his symbiote. Hathor cannot uh, influence his mind. And he, he will have nothing to do with the goal. They must all be banished. Thankfully, they didn't actually go about saying, we've got to nuke the base, it's the only option. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that'll come. <laughs> yeah, give them time. Interestingly, also, they didn't contact anybody to put the base on lockdown or to tell anybody that there was like a foothold situation at the SGC. Any of those things, nothing at all. They were just like, oh, well, there's a few of us left. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. I suppose the problem with that is whatever they triggered, the general would be aware of it 30 seconds later and countermand it 30 seconds after that. Yeah. Unless the procedure is that foothold can't be, once initiated, cannot be taken down for 48 hours or something like that. Yeah, and would have to be confirmed and checked by someone externally. And Either way, 60 seconds of that sort of information would have worked so much better than smoochy smoochy time. Yes. <laughs> yes, it would. And this is one point where Sam points out that there seems to be a lack of female military personnel in the SEC. They don't get many new female recruits, and there aren't many existing female officers already. Yeah, I really like that. When was the last time you saw a new woman be assigned here? It's very telling, that is. Yeah. I would hope that maybe Area 51 is, you know, closer to 50-50 because it's pure research establishment. 
you know, and at this point there are a fair percentage of qualified female scientists. Yeah. And maybe women in the military, obviously Sam's made her mark, but she seems to be exceptional in any field she actually attempts. And has to fight for it, even then. Even then, yeah. Yeah. I can probably forgive the show for not being totally representative of what we expect nowadays. Yeah, this was 20 years ago, and I guess they hang a lantern on it, to use that phrase. They they literally say, you know, there's not enough women employed. Yeah. Yeah. This episode would be, the position they're in would have been so much easier if they had an extra half dozen women that they could aren't. Yeah. And you would think because the SGC deals with just as many women as men off-world, they would have more women. There are going to be planets they meet where men are not welcome. They do. Having Yeah, having female personnel is an advantage. Yeah. Gets you into places where the men are not going to be able to get to. Again, just about let them get away with this. Just. Only because <laughs> they made a point of actually mentioning it. Yeah. I'd like to just point out, why is it that Hathor is the queen of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and is an alien being, and yet she has no interest at all in trying to persuade the women to follow her? That's not very inclusive. I can only assume that the drug doesn't work on women. Oh, like a, like scientifically it doesn't work. Maybe it's not natural. That would throw out the theory for the cult that comes later, though. If the drug isn't natural, then maybe it's been engineered, and then it's been yeah. 4,000 years, Seth has been worked on it and got it to work for both. And very well. Yeah. After that corridor, we go into the room where Daniel's sitting, looking like a broken, broken man. Yes, I don't think whatever happened, he enjoyed it. No, I don't think he did. I wonder if at the back of his mind, there's a little part of Daniel saying, this is wrong, this is wrong. It's Ultimately, this is, we've said it on certain Atlantis episode, this is someone using a drug to influence the conditioning of a person, take away their free will, and physically and sexually assault them. Yeah. It is... It's not nice. No, this is, yeah. It's no difference if it's a man doing it to a woman or a woman doing it to a man. Exactly. I suppose the only difference is that narrative-wise and in the real world, we still consider it to be worse if a man's doing it to a woman. Or at least uh, it's more common. Yes. So Sam can't get any sense out of Daniel. and He, he doesn't respond once, I don't think, in this entire scene, does he? No, no, he's, uh, he's, he's gone. Off with the theories. Sam's obviously confused concern for him but then has to rush off. Yeah, say there. Because be right. uh, they've spotted Hathor. Yeah, we, we've got work to do. Janet, meanwhile, is having the time of her life. She, she's like Rambo in this episode. <laughs> yeah, she's just... diving around corners and... Yeah. I'm allowed to people. Well, yeah, technically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did think that was brilliant because she was like, do you know how to fire one? Of... You remember how to fire one of these, right? She's like, um, yeah, I think so. I did it in my basic training. It'll probably come back to me. And then the next scene, she's just like, ah! <laughs> Yeah, they're in the locker room, which is suddenly a lot bigger than it's ever been before. Yeah, obviously. And, and now has a bath. Yes, it's it's like one of those... I suppose you could argue that it's a, a very basic jacuzzi, you know, where a sports team would have probably a dozen of them so that each player could get individual treatment. I'm pretty sure exact make and model that you'd find in any NFL locker room in America at that time. <laughs> at this point, uh, I wrote down what they said, Rintel Knock. I don't know exactly what it means, though. I wonder if this was before they decided what all the gold meant and they just picked something. Could have done, yeah. The translation is probably out there somewhere, but I couldn't find it. Quick look on wiki. Either way, Hammond and Jack and the rest of the men rush into the locker room, form a human shield around Hathor. Well, this ain't going well, is it? Kind of no. true now when you've got deadly weapons. You either use them or you don't, or you shoot yeah. everybody in the leg. 
that'd work, but it may take some explaining. And then they get locked up. Yes, the plan didn't go so well. And this is where we get some of the most bizarre lines in the entire episode. <laughs> Mama said there will be days like this. Janet's going on about this man's army and her husband. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Janet was ma- is married or was married. Ex-husband, she says, yeah. Yeah, so uh, there's no reason to assume that she hasn't been married. I'm not saying Janet's an old woman, but she's been around the block a bit, you know, so... <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember what happens in later episodes, if, if that's ever brought up again. It's easy to rewatch early seasons where they've not really firmly put down details for some of the characters, and then you pick up on these things, and, and I guess they just slip under the radar, don't they? But First time around, did I notice that she said, you know, she'd been married? Probably not. I don't think so. Did it ever become an issue later in this series? No. <laughs> and she does say ex-husband, so I guess guess that doesn't necessarily mean that it'll ever be mentioned again. Doesn't might not no. be required. It might mean an interesting backstory if it, uh, maybe his death pushed her into you know the more medical side of the military. Obviously, she wouldn't have been in the same chain of command. She could certainly yeah. have been serving on a base while he was on operational duty overseas or something like that. Yeah, there was a lot of possibilities. Something they dropped in, but never really uh, took up. At this point, though, Janet is... I can't remember. Was it Janet or Sam who came up with a brilliant idea to seduce Oh, it was very much Janet. Sam was like, nope. (laughs) They're hormone-driven, and they're not picky about it either. There are a room full of... Soldier, there's a room full of women in here. Would you like to join us? (laughs) Her exact words were, they're libidinous. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm sure, is that a real word? It gets mentioned a few times. Sam doesn't, yeah, Sam really doesn't like this plan. No, no. It's something they've got to do it to is. save everybody. The sacrifices the women always have to make. <laughs> yeah, once once again, this kind of this kind of goes back to that 60s sci-fi thing. It's like, oh, come on, it's a bit male fantasy. Yeah. Every step of the way, even when their women are trying to make their escape, they've got to use their bodies to do it. They couldn't possibly while away some other clever way to get out of that room. <laughs> oh, well. We go to one of the, I'm not sure which room they're in. Jack and Hathor are together. She no concept of personal space for Hathor. <laughs> no. Yeah, she gives him another whammy. Unbuttons his shirt. All that's missing is a bit of funky seventies triple X rated music just to really get everybody in the mood. <laughs> oh no, there's a Stargate recut coming. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and I've got to admit, you know, Hathor finally takes her shirt off, and she's got the the steampunkiest underwear on. <laughs> it's all cogs and chains and nuts and bolts and yeah. strategic coverings. I thought the same thing. That doesn't look comfortable. No. Even with the you know the the kind of the, the shell size bits of metal. If they've, even they've got fabric padding on the inside, that can't be comfortable. No, it was very much that. It was very steampunk. Yeah, would quite like to have just seen some more silks or something. It would have been a bit more sort of Egyptian and gold. You would have thought so. Yeah. And like a ribbon device, instead of being part of the outfit, it was something she could actually wear, kind of fasten on. Yeah. The jewel at the centre of her stomach, big red glowy thing. She approaches Jack. Daniel's going to be the pharaoh of our new people. You will be uh, the first Jafar. Kind of embraces him. All of a sudden, Jack doesn't look happy. This this is painful. There's no anaesthetic being used by this device. No, he doesn't look happy about this at all. Yeah, this is an automated pouch maker. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a hole punch machine. (laughs) It is, isn't it? I'm not sure how it does what it does, but at the end of it, Jack Jack has got a tilt pouch empty at this point. 
And while I have to point out that I could see the theme, <laughs> I would also like to point out that the, that the way they did his face was brilliant. He looked really sweaty and clammy, and it was really good, actually. Quite a transition from what he was a minute ago. He probably had the seafood at the buffet for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been it. Yeah. It was good. It was actually really good. It looked And some good acting from him as well. All said and done, there were some nice ideas in the episode. Yeah. The execution of them wasn't always good. No, a bit clumsy. Sometimes it worked, but they worked because they didn't show anything. In this case, you just saw the two of them embracing, and your mind did all the rest. You knew what was happening. You've seen the we've seen Tilk's pouch many a time. Yeah, Junior's popped out of there a lot. Yeah, and thankfully we didn't have to see any Juniors popping out in this scene. No, which was excellent. We return to the cell. This is where also where Sam says she feels like she's in some sort of women's prison movie, and we've all, <laughs> we've all seen them. <laughs> Should be thankful there was no gratuitous shower scene. Yeah, that's a good point. And this is where you know they approach the guard. He's oh no, I've got I've got my orders from Hathor, but we're lonely. <laughs> yeah, we only take orders from Hathor. Oh, yeah. okay. And they all take a step back. I like the fact that nobody, with the exception of Janet, is comfortable doing this. These are not women. Janet's all over this. She's yeah. just like yeah, bring it on. <laughs> These are not women who use the body. To gain advantage. These are women that use the mind, and if they use the body, it's the physical strength, the conditioning, the combat skills. Yeah. In the right circumstance, I'm sure every one of those women could take their man onto the dance floor and drive them wild without doing anything inappropriate. But in this case, none of them are very comfortable. No. But it works because the guards are loopy. They, yeah. They think, well, hey, well, hey. <laughs> The scene with Sam in that bit is brilliant, where it cuts to Sam's face and she's just like giving this guard this like really <laughs> sultry sort of smile and then pulls his face around and just elbows him square in the face. Well, Janet's making the most of it. She's, she that guard probably couldn't disengage even if he wanted. <laughs> no, she genuinely... It's, it's been a lonely few her. weeks for Janet, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, right, we've got guns, we've got men, make it happen. Yeah, God bless Janet. She uh, throws heart, body and soul into uh, this endeavour. And it does work. You know, the three, they're on the way to get Tilk. This is where we get one of the comedy moments that I think does work. It does. Just. Just. If they'd done much more, it would have been a bit fossil, but it was... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've got I've got you, don't mood. Thud. <laughs> I've got you, don't mo- Thud. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. Finally the general. Oh, my <laughs> career is over now. <laughs> And they threw Tilk, and he just looks down at the body. And huh? Yeah, uh, Tilk's faces in the later seasons are much more relaxed. In this one, he's just grimacing all the time. <laughs> just like, at this point, he doesn't really know what his reaction should be. This is totally outside his frame of reference. Oh, that's fantastic. Janet and Tilk go running off. Somehow they've lost the rest of the personnel. I don't know where they've gone. At least one of them they've put on guard duty. I assume the mm. others maybe secure the elevator... Make sure nobody else comes onto this level at the very least. They're betting on the fact that most of the men are in the locker room where Hathor is. But they're not. There's only one man in the locker room at the moment. Yes. Jack looks totally out of it. He's maybe passed out because of the pain. This is where we get the film that's reversed. So oh. we, it doesn't look good, does it? It looks really bad. <laughs> they had an issue with the makeup, maybe the wig. I think if she'd have come out of the water dripping wet, that look would have worked for her it would have worked for her and it wouldn't have looked i mean maybe 20 years on it looks worse than it did then i don't know 
It looks a bit like the early stop motion animation. It's just there's something not right about it. You can just see that it's run backwards. Yeah. But I guess they didn't really have the budget and things weren't probably quite so gelled in the team and their ideas, the way this, things should be done this early in the series. Yeah, this is where we see that Hathor has been busy. Like an amphibian, there seems to be a lot of spawning, if you will. Yes, pink anchovies swimming around everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I think I recall that the fact that they just, you know, kind of agitated the water with a lot of bubbles and let that do all the work. <laughs> yeah. And these aren't kind of giant prosthetic devices that are wearing away under power. It's just the convection in the, in the water that's making them look alive. Yeah. Obviously, I've, I've got a gap. Yeah, I've got it. You take over. So I've got a um, gap yeah. in my notes here. So Hathor does her climbing out of the water and uh, walks around to Jack, who's who looks at first like he's unconscious on the floor, but in fact he's not. She helps him up and lowers him into the bath while Janet and Sam look on horrified, making no move to stop her, which I thought was odd given that they tried to stop her previously. And all the men rushed in. Now they've got a perfect opportunity to shoot Hathor. They're, they just sit there doing nothing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And watch while she throws Jack into a bath, tells him that, that the strongest larvae will find his womb, with horrifying, effectively referring to them as sperm, and holds them out in her hand. And they look horrible. They look like <laughs> prawns and anchovies and I don't even know what else. Gooey in her hand. She just sort of wriggles her hands around a bit to make a move. Jack looks a little concerned, but he's completely out of it here. She leaves him to it. She's like, enjoy, walks away, just saunters off out of the locker room there. And at this point, Sam and Janet decide, oh, now we should get him out of there. Teal's hiding around the corner the whole time as well, but has also made no move. Yeah, that's it. They get Jack out of the tub, and that's when my notes just just read, fisting Jack. <laughs> yes. That, that yeah. looks wholly inappropriate for any show on television at all. Yeah, I picked up on one thing here. Hill and Janet both point out how he doesn't have a gold, so his immune system is compromised and he could die any moment. But Janet shoves her unsanitized hand straight into his pouch. From the very moment that pouch is created, Jack's immune system is compromised. Yeah. Any infection, any bacteria that's floating around the base, I assume that Hathor isn't too worried. She probably figures a couple of hours he'll have a a young symbiote, but we know that the very young symbiote aren't that strong. No. Again, I think, I think I'd think i put this down to it being an early episode. They've not really yeah. fleshed out all the details of how things are going to work in the future. Oh, the trouble is the acting's good. It's just some of the things don't really fit with what we know later, I think, is, is probably the problem. Jack looks pretty screwed. Yes. What are they going to do? What can they do? Oh, the sarcophagus, of course. Yeah. Duh. Why didn't we? Why didn't everybody think of that? <laughs> yeah. Put him in the sarcophagus and let's all watch it slowly jerk, 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 get closed. Yeah. It was at this point that I wondered why they put it in the gate room in the first place. Because the gate it's room ridiculous, is ridiculous, don't it? Yeah. It's like that's supposed to be the ops place, but it's right in the way. Like you couldn't get a mouth up that ramp or anything. Surely they have rooms where they do these sorts of experiments and go, oh, sarcophagus. We'll put that over here and do some experiments on it. We know again. This is always going to be a problem, like you say, that the gate was put into that silo from the opening hundreds of feet in the air. Yeah. The sarcophagus was probably lowered at the same way, and once it's there, it's too big to get out of the gate room. Ah, uh, that could well be To it. go round the corner. It's too big. You might be right there. They get it in, and now they're stuck. You can't drop it off at level 20 or anything like that, because it's a missile silo. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been better if it had gone to Area 51. 
Yeah, it would have made more sense, and it would have been more consistent with later things, probably. Especially considering what happens to it later in the episode. <laughs> yep. Anyway, they've got Jack and the sarcophagus, it's doing its work. At this point, Hathor's people are on the ball. Fully-fledged firefight takes place. Janet and Tilk get hit. Yeah, in some very dramatic shooting, by the way. The yeah. uh, Janet just stands there in the middle of all the fire firing back and then the bit about ducking and taking cover she totally forgot from her basic training yeah she's not interested in that she just she just <laughs> wants to shoot stuff yeah yeah can i shoot stuff if i'm ducked behind the sarcophagus that doesn't work they seem to have no care for the fact that these are their people either no quite strange using deadly force limits to what you can do yeah you need that that weapon that can disable somebody that's it trank guns or zats or something i'm not sure if they have zats at this point squirreled away they already mentioned trank guns themselves. I don't know why they didn't grab them for their own people. Yeah. At this point, uh, Hathor overreacts a little. She's not happy. <laughs> she, more than anybody else, should know that the energy discharge from a hand device does not react well to the delicate electronics and power systems of a sarcophagus. No. In fact, she not only hits the sarcophagus, she hits it square on. Yeah, and then we get some pretty awesome lightning effects. At least you get some warning that something bad is going to happen. Yeah. Lots of smoke, lots of flashing lights. I assume that the original sarcophagus prop has been removed and some basic wooden framework has been burnt down in its place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because then they dive through the blast door and it closes in, again, very juddery slow motion whilst we get an explosion. I would have been seriously worried about the integrity of the gate. Yeah, it seems to be a really big explosion. Yes. And then they open the blast door and it's everything's in us. I would assume the sarcophagus has some connection to Nequadria as well. Mm-hmm. Nakoda well, as well. To keep someone alive for 4,000 years. Yeah. Of course, Jack is fine. Sam, well, let's admit it, all the women want to have a good look at Jack's chest. <laughs> it looks good. He just shuffles about and crunches and smiles. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> Sam's like, it's a miracle. And Jack just looks <laughs> down at his stomach and like, crunches. <laughs> yeah. Hard work, diet, solitaire. Yeah. <laughs> It's a classic Jack line. Yeah. This is where we need Trank guns. Thank you. Finally, at last. We're back in the uh, locker room and the hot tub set. Hathor, basically, I've had enough of this woman. I want I want Captain Samantha God. I want him dead. <laughs> dead, dead, dead. Can't we just... Daniel, can't we just maybe... Uh, no, dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a bit like a mob boss in this scene. She knows exactly what she wants. She expects her people to carry it out. The good guys spend more time just standing around doing nothing while events unfold in front of their eyes. <laughs> yes. Why are you waiting? Is it going to be any better time to shoot than now? Yeah, it's a classic TV trope, isn't it? Yeah. It's almost as You've bad as the, um, standing right next to someone and whispering really loudly about what you're going to do. <laughs> Eventually, Sam finally gives up, stops messing around. She grabs a 9mm and opens up on her. Yeah, she goes badass. Looks like she shoots her right through the hand as well. The hand device explodes and Hathor sinks into the hot tub. All of a sudden... The water catches fire. Yeah, the water's on fire. Lava starts streaming, all hell's breaking loose, chaos, confusion, and a rather nice little visual effect as a certain gold is seen leaving the room. Yeah, that was really good. It was genuinely really good. If you're not looking for it, you don't notice that you would see it climbing out of the tub. No, and that's what was beautiful about it. They didn't draw the attention to it. They made it really subtle. You just see her climb out on fire. 
you know, first time around, I'm, I'm concentrating more on what's going on in the foreground, and I don't notice it. I only see the dark figure leave the room. Yeah. Rewind and then go, ah, yeah. If they admit, they tell me, yeah, it didn't really turn out like we planned, but it worked. <laughs> you know, we had this great idea, this cloaking, te- you know, cloaking shield that would reflect things and it was going to look great. The water was going to look great. We were going to use a Stargate shimmer on it and everything, and it just didn't work. But, you know, the producers saw it on the uh, on the first vi- visual effects pass and they loved it. So we, we kept it. It's just beautiful. Yep. I just had a little rewind to watch it again. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Control room and the gate room. Hathor is there, suddenly resplendent in all her finery again. Yeah, she's had time to stop off and get a change of clothes. I imagine she has got a little bit of breathing room. Yep. None of them's realised, you know, she's carpeted yet. To be honest, Hathor... There's something going on that they never kind of reveal. She's doing stuff no gold should be able to do. Mm-hmm. Of course, we don't really know if... Did she control the gate directly? Did she stop off at the gate room? Actually taking the information from Daniel, Jack or the general? What would have been funny if we just saw Walter unconscious at the control panel? <laughs> Looking dreamily at her. <laughs> A smile on his face or something like that. <laughs> Best night ever. A lipstick smear or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, there's no water in this episode. That would have been brilliant. Yes, and they identified the address as Julek, so that's not good. Ooh. I would be tempted to go after her straight away because she could get up to no good. If nothing else to confirm, she dialed to another planet straight away. He makes the right call, though, because at the minute they're the only people that know what's happened. Yeah. Barely know, as we find out, Daniel's got no memory at all. Yeah. I don't know whether I like the resolution or not. Yeah, there was something about it that made me question it as well. It was, I don't remember what it was. None of them seem to have a memory of it, but then someone makes a remark as if they do remember. I suppose the only good bit is that all the security tapes are intact. Oh, that was it. The very thing you wouldn't want on the security tapes was the bit that was the remark. At the end of the episode, gloop from the bath. (laughs) And she says, there might be some DNA here. Daniel says, yeah, you'll probably find out that most of that's mine. (laughs) That, oh, yes, yes. Which was a horrible, horrible thing to imagine. Thank God and, they weren't there with a black light or anything. Yeah. But how does he remember? Because he's forgotten everything. I wonder at that point, she's yeah, she's given him a quick rundown. Yeah. The, you know, kind of the cliff notes of what's been happening the last couple of days. Yeah. Because she'd have to explain to the general, because he'd, he'd probably want to know, why have I got a lump the size of a chicken's egg on my head? <laughs> Till wouldn't say. He just gave me this enigmatic look and said, ask Carter. A little smirk. Yes, it would be a very interesting report to read. It would. Speaking of General Hammond, he comes sauntering into the locker room, finds his star team all assembled, ready to go, <laughs> tells Carter that she's done an amazing job and that he's putting her in for a commendation. And Dr. Fraser. Yeah, which is hard luck to the other women on the base who uh, risked their lives as well. Yeah, I, I like to think that he didn't mention them because they weren't present in that room. Not a commendation, maybe just a note in the file. Yes. Exemplary duty under pressure, you know. Something yep. like that. Helped two of our best people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, r- rank has its privileges. It does. Sam looks absolutely shocked, and Janet looks, like, giddy with excitement. Yeah. There's a lot of smiling from Janet in this episode. Yeah, Janet was probably having a very, very, very good few days. I suspect that Terrell had a blast film in the episode. Not just walking around with a clipboard and a lab coat on. Sue Braun, who played Hathor... Didn't do anything wrong. You can't argue. You can never blame the actor or actors for 
the writing of the show or the direction. Oh, absolutely. She was amazing in it. She was yep. she gave a really good performance. I mean, they could they could have gone a lot more cheesecake. Yeah, they could. They, they could, could have gone for an eighteen year old blonde bimbo play Hathor. <laughs> you know, basically an overflowing bosom and golden locks that would take three or four hours in the hair salon to actually render. Yeah, there's that. Hathor did look like a normal woman, just with yeah. extraordinary powers. Yeah. It's a shame she really never featured heavily in the series because her next appearances aren't that great either. But her as a character is amazing. She's brilliant. She oozes potential. Yeah, you're right. It's a shame. In many ways, to reference something up to date, it's like Harry Mudd on Star Trek Discovery. Yes. You may not like the character, but he's bringing out the best in some of the, the regular characters. Definitely. It was a little bit cringy, and I'm I'm kind of sad. On one side of the coin, I'm kind of sad that I rewatched it because it reminded me that it was actually a really cheesy episode, <laughs> and that wasn't how I remembered it. But at the same time, she gives such a good performance. Her character is brilliant, and it's nice to see Sam and Janet like really take the lead in the episode a bit. That's it. It was an excellent it's... episode for the two main female characters. Yeah. Dr. Frazier, fantastic. Sam got to do a little social commentary with the lack of female representation in Stargate Command and by extension the US military in general. Maybe the men under the influence of Hathor were overly patronising towards Sam. But then again, we've seen that in smaller doses on regular stories of the show. Yeah, it was good. I think I'd give it a 6 out of 10. It wasn't terrible. Had some awful, god-awful moments. Yeah. But it had some very nice, very clever moments as well. And the overall performances, no problems at all with that. Knock up the budget a bit. Let's have a locker room that looked... Like a locker room. Well, yeah, it did look like a locker room, but just the one little hot tub in the middle, little jacuzzi, funny shrimp-like lava, which looked nothing like the lava we've seen before, even when they've been juveniles. The gut-wrenching comments about juices and DNA and... Oh, dear me. Yeah, maybe get a female writer on staff for that episode would help. That was always my contention that Stargate needed a regular female writer on staff. Yeah. Female director, we got more female representation behind the camera, especially in Stargate Universe. Yeah, and it really paid off. Yeah, they had more female characters. They had more female characters. They needed the writing to match. Yeah. Anyhow, this was Hathor, and it was released a long, long time ago, and we've got to make allowances for different worldviews, different expectations. Yeah. Some sort of goddess influencing men or women or both physically, sexually abusing them while they're under the influence, that would be more like something from Black Mirror or similar shows, American Horror Story or something like that, or a serious crime drama. Gentle sci-fi action adventure series, not so much. No, and I, and I think maybe that's part of the problem with the episode. It's, it's treated with the sort of cheery 60s sci-fi effect, when in fact the storyline and everything that they cover could well be done with some really good writing. The premise is there and it's got potential, but it's, yeah. Like I say, the original Harry Mudd story, when he was pimping his three women and they were using the Venus drug so they could influence the male crew members. Yep. That was fine for the 60s. It doesn't work so much now, which is probably why they've rewrote that particular character a little bit differently. Brilliantly as well, I would say. Without going too deep into Star Trek Discovery, loved the performance of Harry Mudd, hated the character. Yeah, exactly. 
love to hate. Okay then, folks, that was Hathor. Yes. Thank you very much, Ian, for joining me for this show, which you wanted to do. I did. I'm glad I did. It is a standout episode in Stargate, I think. It's, you know, Hathor's an important character, even if the episode is a bit cheesy. I was happy to do that, yeah. There are a lot worse episodes to come. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right then, folks, if you would like to join me on this show, an early Season 1 Stargate SG1 episode, get in touch. If you just fancy doing your favourite episode of Stargate, I'm quite happy to uh, jump all over the place schedule-wise. That is not a problem. You can find the website at stargatearchives.com. You can email me at stargatearchives at gmail.com. We are using the old at the Gatecast Twitter address. We are also on Facebook and Google+, Plus. again, the old Gatecast locations. And, of course, we're also on Tumblr if you want to find us on there as well. iTunes, if you want to leave me a review or a rating for Stargate Archives, that would be ideal. Do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anybody that still follows the Gatecast RSS feed, hosting issues as old hosting ended and the new hosting took over, but the old iTunes entry got disabled. We are back on iTunes, but the old RSS feeds don't work. We've got a new link. But I'm never intending to release anything on that feed, so if you haven't switched over by now, it doesn't really matter, does it? You're not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> okay then, folks, next week. I'm not sure. Let's have a quick look. What is next week's episode? Singularity, which I have already recorded. Way. Awesome. You are on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> next week with Singularity with Tim from Uncharted Territories podcast. I hope you join us for that. Ian, thank you very much. My pleasure as always. You want to give your Twitter handle? Sure, yeah. My, uh, my Twitter handle is a lot easier to spell now. It's Mr. Nebby with two Bs. N-E-B-B-I. And uh, I tweet... Well, less frequently than I used to, but I'm, I'm on there. If you want to send me a tweet, I'll happily respond. Excellent. Until next week, then, I've been Mike. And I've been Ian. Take care. Bye-bye. See you later.